Thank you very much. Um, if I would ask around and go around and ask you guys, how did you cope with the heat? I'm sure each and every one of you had a different answer at a different place, um, had something that they did um, to, you know, um, get through the through yesterday. <clears throat> Record high temperatures for Washington, and you know, people. Um, I was talking to coworker. His plan was, you know, to sit in the pool and not get out. Um, it's one way to do it, right? What we did with my family, we <clears throat> actually um, went. Um, we didn't fight the heat. We decided to go. Um, to Ocean Shores and uh, spend the day there, which was actually pretty cold <laughs> there. Uh, it started rain by the end of the day. Uh, good thing we were living here and my wife, Natasha, she was like, should we take you know, some warm clothes? I'm like, there's no way we would need that, right? It's like 111 here. Why would you ever need a pair of pants and um, and, and a coat or, or something like that. But thankfully, she did grab um, warm clothes for all of us. It got really chilly. We started the fire. It was good. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that um, we live in a beautiful state of Washington where you can experience both extremes, right? Very hot weather and very cold weather, um, uh, heat and rain. Um, and it is actually in the extreme differences that we get to appreciate um, one thing or another. If you would only have the heat all the time, you would never know what snow and cool looks like, right? If you would always live in, I don't know, Sahara, uh, <clears throat> the biggest and growing um, desert on the face of the earth, you would never know what snow looks like. And people never have seen snow that live in Africa, for example. Um, maybe in pictures. But if you would live in Siberia, on, uh, um, in Siberia where uh, people live, you would never know what Paul a palm tree looks like, what a heat, excessive heat looks like, although it gets warm and hot probably in the summer there as well. But the point is, the beauty is in extreme indifferences, right? We experience one thing and we get to appreciate what um, the other thing. We get to appreciate the heat and the warmth and the cold as well. So that's wonderful. We live in a state where we can experience all of that in a single day. <laughs> and that's the beauty. Uh, that's the beauty of it. I am really thankful that my parents brought me here uh, back in 2002 when we came here from um, the country that we came here for, from. Um, really grateful, uh, enjoying Washington this far, and I think it's a blessing. Understand that it's God's purpose that I'm here. This is not an accident. This is not something that just happened because I was brought here, because God has a purpose for me, now for my family, and for each and every one of you sitting here. You don't happen to be lived here. Um, 
I believe that God has purpose for all of us and for everything that happens in our lives if we are um, His children. Um, my sermon today is going to be actually a reminder and a question. Or my sermon will question something, and my sermon will hopefully remind us of something. And I titled the sermon, People at the Cross. This Sunday, we will be um, remembering the suffering of Jesus Christ, and we'll have communion. This Sunday, upcoming Sunday, July 4th, we'll have communion. And every communion, we remember the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I titled my sermon, People at the Cross. And actually, a brothers read two different chapters, but they actually correlate, and uh, they both talk about a person that was ostracized, that was felt alone, was left by everyone else. We um, read about Elijah, um, and we read about Jesus. Actually, they both were left alone. They were left by everyone, the friends, the, 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 the family, everyone left them. And we can ask a question, why, right? And this is what we're going to look at uh, today. We're going to look at why would people leave Jesus alone? And we are going to look at the cross. That's, what the, that's where history happened. That's where history was divided in two. Before Christ and A.D. after Christ. Um, Christ came and he divided the history of the world into two. The cross stands in the middle of that. It was everything before the cross and everything that happened after um, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at some people that were at the cross, that were standing at the cross. And what Christ, cross and Christ, crucified on the cross means for all of them and what it means for us. Here's how Apostle Paul describes Uh, thank you. Describes the cross. For since, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand science and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Apostle Paul is making a point, and he is saying that, um, for some reason, the clicker doesn't work. Um, so we might need, I may need some help here. 
Um, what is the cross? Apostle Paul is saying that the cross is a stumbling block for one group. It's a foolishness for another group. And it's the power of God for the third group. So, wow, one object can, be, can, can embody so many things in itself. And what is the cross? <clears throat> um, what is the cross? A stumbling block for the Jews. So the Jews, under the Jews, um, we understand that Paul is talking about actually religious people. He's talking about people that believed God in God, that had the scriptures in their possession, that they claimed that they knew God, they claim that they understand what God wants from them. And they were expecting for God to act upon his promises. All those promises that were written in the scriptures, they were waiting for them. For those promises to be fulfilled, to come to life. And those are the people who um, he refers, we refer to as religious people. Those people could not accept the cross. And we ask, why not? Because the cross was too offensive for them. Because it was lowly in appearance. Isaiah 53 describes actually the cross and what's going to happen on the cross. And he said that in our eyes, he did not have any, it was not appealing. It was not appealing at all. It did not appeal to people of God, to people that claim to know God. It did not appeal at all. They did not like what they saw. They could not accept it. They could not accept a suffering Messiah that would come and save them in such a way. It conflicted with their understanding of God and His blessings. You know, often today we see God's blessing. And we see people posting, oh, I am so blessed. And, you know, it's next to a car, brand new car. I am so blessed. And, you know, it's a brand new keys from a brand new house. You know, God is, has blessed me so very much. You see a person on the beach somewhere, right? Are those all blessings? Yes or no? Yes. Of course they are. God created the world for us to enjoy. And that's, that's a man. But who posts today on Instagram when they're going in for a treatment? I am so blessed. God has blessed me to go through this time. I am so blessed because I am able to suffer through this one painful experience. Um, we just heard of a horrible news about this family that lost their father uh, and their, uh, their son and their daughter is in, in the hospital. We all should pray for this family and support them. Uh, they all, uh, the father and the son drowned by try to, trying to save uh, their daughter. I'm not sure where it happened. I know it happened just, just yesterday or few days ago, um, 
They're believers, they're Christians, and they're going through this time of trial, time of suffering. Nobody really thinks about that as a blessing. You know, because our understanding of blessing is, um, are the things that benefit me directly today um, and uh, that are pleasing to me, right? That I accept as a blessing. We don't always think of blessings the way that God thinks of blessings. And God decided to show His wisdom, His power, in such a way as this, to the cross. So we're talking about the cross. We're talking about the cross of Christ. And the first people that were offended by the cross were people that knew God, that claimed to know God, that were religious they were expecting for God to act upon what he promised. You know, uh, Paul in Timothy talks about these people, that these people have appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. It's a very harsh warning. He says that you can have an appearance, an appearance of godliness. You know, you can be appear like you're a godly person. You can wear the right stuff. You can say the right words. You can even come to the right place. But if you don't have the power of God inside of you, Paul says, avoid such people. Avoid such people. The cross reveals internal bankruptcy. People hate the cross because it reveals who they are on the inside. The cross demands a revelation. The cross demands the true nature to come out. And that's what people do not, religious people do not like the cross. Without the power of God and His grace, religious people are the worst enemies of the gospel. They cannot accept the gospel because all the religious person the person that is working to gain his salvation, he's cleaning or she is cleaning to the righteousness that I build up, that the righteousness that I can hold to, the righteousness that I can present to other people, it's all outside, but only God knows what's on the inside. And this is where the cross stands. It reveals all unrighteousness that is on the outside, that's on the inside. Jesus had the most problems with religious people. He didn't have problems with sinners like alcoholics and other people. His problem was with religious people that claimed to know God, that claimed to understand His prescription, that claimed to understand his power, that knew everything and how everything's supposed to happen, how you ought to conduct yourself, but they did not love God. They did not love God with their heart. So the first group of people, it was a stumbling block. The cross was a stumbling block for those people that claimed to know God although they never knew God. They never accepted God as their father. 
and never turn to God with their whole heart. Who else was at the, at the cross? At the cross were people, um, Gentiles. Uh, Paul calls them Gentiles. If we can skip to the next slide. Um, Paul calls them Gentiles. But those are the people that Greeks, Gentiles, those are the people, we, you and I, we were Gentiles. We were separated from Christ, um, destined for eternal death, outside of God's blessing, outside of God's promise, nothing, no promises, and nothing that we could attain to until Jesus came and until Jesus brought, um, came and died on the cross. And so what happened at the cross, there were people that, Gentiles, people, those are the people that um, today, as back in the day, see the cross as an interesting storyline, uh, as a fairy tale. When Apostle Paul was talking to those people um, and, and explaining and telling them about the cross, they started laughing at him in his face and telling him, we will listen to you next time. Tell us about this next time. We don't have time right now for, for this story. It's a cool story, but tell us about it next time. Today there are people that do exactly the same. Today there are people that just mock Christianity. They laugh at Christ. They laugh at anything that is believable, uh, that we believe, that the Christian believes in or um, regards as holy. Uh, <clears throat> those in that category were the soldiers. They were laughing at Christ and saying, if you say, if you say that you are a son of God, just come down. Show us that you are a son of God. Ha, ha, ha. Those are the people that did not regard anything as holy. And there was another group of people. It was the crowd. The people that was handing out um, just because there was something going on. Just because something was going on, there was a lot of activity. Um, they knew, they heard about Christ. Um, they actually, some of them liked his teaching. Some of them benefited from their, um, from his ministry. They ate when he fed the people. They actually, you know, kind of liked Christ. Uh, a cool guy. But um, when they were there, there was no repentance, only the emotions. They were sad that that's, that happened to him. Um, they could cry a little bit. They could uh, sob a little bit. They could, you know, relate to his pain a little bit. But then they were going home. They went home and their life didn't change. Everything remained the same. They were still doing the same things. They were still doing their own business, minding their own business. Uh, the fact, whatever happened on the cross, did not change their life a bit. And 
just as, just as like today, um, the cross is, for some people, it is seen as a fairy tale. Uh, for some people, it's not inclusive enough. Uh, you'd rather go and do practice yoga. You know, it's, it, it has benefits for the body and benefits for the soul. Uh, they don't mention the spiritual strings that are attached to yoga that puts you into bondage, spiritual bondage. Um, but it is a very noble thing to do today, to practice yoga. Very popular. It's taught on the university campus. UW has classes in yoga. Um, I mean, it's in the top elite universities today. It is accepted as a legitimate way of practicing spirituality, quote-unquote. Um, and it's a very dangerous path, by the way. Um, people that um, are familiar with um, the Eastern religions, they will tell you that there's a lot of spiritual strings attached to that practice. And you should avoid that at all costs. And people compare it and say that the cross is not inclusive enough. It's very narrow. It limits. Um, it, it, it can't be true. You know, there's many paths to God. There's can be only, it can be true that there's only one road to God. There must be many paths to God. Look at how many religions there are. But the Bible is clear and very clear that the only path to God is through the cross to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only access, that's the only door that is available for anyone to access God, right? And we know why. Because no one is righteous before God. There is no one who is good. If you or I think of ourselves that we are good and we can attain something or we can prove to God something, or we can bring something to the table, you know, like when we're arguing with our parents. Um, my son, good thing he doesn't understand English yet. My son, you know, starts bringing to the table the things that he thinks will get him what he wants. You know, oh, but I've done this. Oh, but look how I've been behaving today, you know, in the morning. So what did I, you know, misbehave right now? But look what I've done. And that's what we do with God. Look how good I am. Look, look, you know, I, I, I've been in this, I've done this. I've been so good for so long. And we try to negotiate our salvation with God. We try to negotiate things and we think, you know, we're good. I'm not that bad. I'm okay. I'm average. I haven't killed anyone. I'm not drinking. Maybe not. I'm not smoking, you know. I'm okay. But that doesn't, that's not the, that's not what God, that's not a, an acceptable payment for God. He says that everyone has sinned. And everyone is sinful. And everyone has to die in order to pay the price for their sins. There has to be death. There has to be a payment for the price has to be paid. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price in full. And today it's a reminder. It's a reminder for us 
believers what Jesus did on the cross. And it also questions your salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you 100% sure that you are saved? And you are going to the place where God prepared for his children? That's the biggest question. Everything else just faints. It doesn't matter because this life is only this short. The life starts when we die. The life starts with Christ. When he comes to reign for eternity. He is the king. He is the coming king. And my question for you is, are you saved? Are you a child of God? If the answer is yes, how do you know? One of the sure signs of the children of God is the hunger, is the desire for his word, for his pure word. My question for you, are you drinking that word? Are you desiring that word? Are you in fellowship with God? That's the number one sign of someone who was born again. And here's the people. There was people that like Jesus. They were at the cross. They were there. They were coming to the services. But they were just good friends of Jesus. They thought, you know, that Jesus is a good guy. You know, uh, it's cool. You know, they, they serve food there. It's a cool crowd to hang out with. You know, you can, you can probably pick up some good habits and so on and so forth. But they went home. They left Christ. Um, and their life continued just like before. No change. No change at all. There were another category of people that were friends of Jesus. And the friends of Jesus divided in two categories. People that accepted Christ by faith and knew him personally. Um, those are the people that are children of God. There's the, the friends of Christ. Um, they were at the cross. They were there. They were willing to suffer for Christ, with Christ. They were willing to accept Christ the way he was. Everyone else left. All the other friends left. Uh, those unwilling to deny self and follow Christ closely. They want a Christianity without suffering and sacrifice. You know, people like Christianity in general, but they don't want the suffering and sacrifice. You'll be amazed how many people I talked to today who were born Christians, who were, went to church, and right now they're called. They didn't go to church. They just believe in their heart. They just grew cold. You can see that in American culture and you can see that in the Slavic culture as well. People that are not willing to suffer and die for Christ. They stand on the sidelines and they watch what will happen. And this is, my friend, a very dangerous position to be in. It is a very dangerous position to be in. Because the, um, here's what Jesus said about himself. Um, he said that to his disciples, then Jesus told his disciples, if you can switch to the next slide, please. 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus is challenging his disciples around him and he's asking, if anyone would follow me, come to me, let him deny himself. You know, Jesus never forced anyone. He never said, you have to follow me. He never grabbed anyone and started dragging and saying, follow me. No. There were hundreds of people that followed Jesus. And at one point, when Jesus revealed the reality of the cross and his suffering and the blood and the flesh, they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. This is beyond us. This is too much, okay? We're just going to leave. We had enough. And 70 people left him right away. You know what he told his disciples? He didn't run after them and say, hey, wait a second, let me explain what I meant. Come back. No. He turned around to his disciples, the 12, the last 12 that he had, and he said, would you like to leave also? And Peter said, Lord, we don't want to go anywhere. You have the words that give life. We're going to stick with you no matter what. And that's the question for each and every one of us. If you would come to me, after me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I am um, grateful to have a grandfather. We're going to be finishing up here shortly with a prayer. I was blessed with the grandfather that uh, suffered for Christ. The way he suffered, he um, was called to army. Um, and... Um, they gathered them at the front of this um, central building in, in his village. Uh, they lined up all the young guys. And he is just, um, the guy, uh, the main commander was walking and just checking everyone out, just looking at people. And he stopped um, where my grandfather was standing. He stopped and he looked at him and he asked him, what are you standing here like Jesus Christ? And I don't know why he said that. I don't know what he looked like at that moment. And he said, step out out of the line. And he sent, sent him into the uh, medical unit to get a physical exam done. So he went there. He checked him out. They didn't find anything. He had to wait for the results. Um, and his group of people, they left. So they left, and there was a few-day commotion there, and he was basically late for that draft. So he got to stand, stay home another year. And he said, that year was the most beneficial of my life. He was young. He was like 18 years old. Um, the whole year he spent studying the Scripture, prayer, fasting, 
because he knew, he was preparing. He said, I knew that something was going to happen. And he would spend that time just soaking in God's word, soaking in God's word, being in his word, uh, spending time with him. The next year around, they call him again. Sure enough, they call him again. Uh, line everybody up again, uh, the same drill. Um, long story short, he refused to bear arms. He said, I'm not going to pick up the, the weapon. Um, and I, I believe this is, this is my faith. I am not going to kill anyone. Um, and, of course, at that time, in, that, um, in, in, in Soviet Union, that was a very uh, much big offense. And uh, they took him out of the line again. They put him in, the, in a temporary, uh, they locked him temporarily. They threatened him. He met with a couple of um, high officials, high generals. Um, his account, what happened was that he was shot at by a general several times. None of the bullets reached him. He fired or he attempted to fire, I'm sorry. He attempted to fire several times, but the, the, the firearm didn't, didn't fire, basically. The guy got frustrated, and he left the room. Um, he got uh, sentenced, and he was sent to Siberia for five years. Uh, for five years. He relates everything that happened to him there. God's miracles. By God's miracle, he was stayed alive. It was... Uh, concentration camp, labor camp, where they had to work uh, negative 50 degrees. They had to work outside, just uh, basically digging up um, frozen ground and, and so on and so forth. But what it reminds me is of the price. There's always price associated with the cross and with following Christ. And unless I am child of God, unless I have accepted Christ as my Savior, unless I am saved, there's no chance that I will stand on the side of Christ when the call is made. It is only those who accepted the challenge of Christ to die for themselves Pick up the cross and follow him. Those are the children of God. Those are the ones who will spend eternity with Christ. And it's a reminder for us what Christ did for us. Christ died on the cross in our place. So we could live today. So we could be forgiven. So that we could enjoy sweet fellowship with God as children of God. And it's also a question for you. Have you accepted Christ's call? Have you picked up your cross? Are you picking up your cross daily? Are you in fellowship with Him? Do you love God? Do you love Christ? Have you ever told Him, Jesus, I love you? Do you have that fellowship with Christ? That's the question for every one of us to ask. It's a serious question because 
the worst thing that can happen is when we stand at the throne of God and to hear that, depart from me, I never knew you. Those are the people that are going to church. Uh, the parable of Jesus is very sobering to me um, because Jesus is claiming that the seed that fell, it fell in a different grounds. There was only one type of ground that was acceptable and that was fruitful and that brought fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. All the other grounds that accepted the seed, they were not producing fruit. So the question for me, I ask myself today, am I a fruitful Christian? Do I produce fruit for God? That really speaks of who I am. That really speaks of who I am. We're going to pray right now. Um, we're going to finish with prayer. Brothers and sisters, uh, a good, the good news is that those who are Christ's, they have a lot going for them, a lot coming for them. A lot of hard times, but a lot of good times as well. Um, let's follow Christ closely. Let's follow Christ selflessly. And let's follow Christ with all our heart. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and pray.